there. Welcome to the Real World NP Podcast. I'm Liz Rohr, family nurse practitioner, educator, and founder of Real World NP, an educational company for nurse practitioners in primary care. I'm on a mission to equip and guide new nurse practitioners so that they can feel confident, capable, and take the best care of their patients. If you're looking for clinical pearls and practice tips without the fluff, you're in the right place. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review so you won't miss an episode. Plus, you'll find links to all the episodes with extra goodies over at realworldnp.com slash podcast. Well, hey there, it's Liz Rohr from Real World NP, and you're watching NP Practice Made Simple, the weekly videos to help save you time, frustration, and help you learn faster so you can take the best care of your patients. So today I'm going to be talking about combined oral contraceptives, birth control pills, and uh, how to choose one and the things you definitely don't want to forget about. So as a new nurse practitioner, um, I saw this in myself, and I also see this in the mentees that I work with in my community. There's a really strong temptation when we leave school or we're early on in practice to jump right into the medications and the algorithms and kind of skip over some of the important stuff just because it's a lot, right? And so the first thing I want you to think about, even though you know this, when you're in the middle of practice, it can be easy to forget that there are some safety things that you want to think about first. And so is this even appropriate for your patient? So a lot of times patients will come in and they'll ask, you know, I just want to be on birth control, right? And it's very easy to say, oh, sure, here you go. (laughs) But that's like our job, right? That's like your new role. That's our role as providers to make that assessment and make those clinical judgments. So The really excellent resource is the uh, CDC's U.S. Medical Eligibility Criteria, which I have linked down below this video. Um, This is not a comprehensive list. Um, That list is, but what I'm going to share with you are the most common ones. But for the full list, I definitely definitely encourage you to um, check out that PDF. There's also a couple of different apps, too, that you can search uh, for this. So basically, you just want to assess what are the underlying conditions, what are the reasons they shouldn't have it or they couldn't have it because it would be unsafe. So the first ones are um, smoking, uh, high blood pressure, a uh, history of a DVT, a clotting disorder, cardiovascular disease, um, migraines with aura, like those are the most common ones that I see. And then some medications to keep in mind are phenytoin, phenobarbital, and rifampin, not very common medications, but those can definitely decrease the effectiveness. One other really important one to think about is that most of the research has been done on patients who are under a BMI of 30. So BMIs 30 and a, patients who have BMIs of 30 and above may have a decreased effectiveness of the oral contraceptives. And so that's always a discussion that you want to have with your patient about um, the potential risk there for decreased effectiveness and um, considering the other options which might be safer for them. So again, that's not a comprehensive list, so definitely go check out that document down below this video. The next thing to think about after safety are like, what are the reasons? So did somebody walk in and just say, I want the, I want the pill? Or are there certain things that they're struggling with? So do they have headaches that are hormonal? Do they have PMDD or severe PMS? Do they have dysmenorrhea? things like that, that may lead you to consider the longer kind of uh, duration ones. They're all pills that are once a day, but you know, those three month ones, the seasonal ones instead of the monthly ones. So do they want a a monthly menses or do they want a less frequent one? So that's something to think about it depending on their underlying conditions. Um, And then that kind of brings me into the choices. So there's a lot of, lot of choices (laughs) as you have probably seen. 
There's a couple of ways to go about it. So one, um, just to point out, is that there are multiphasic and then there are single phase. So one dose versus multiple doses. So for the whole month, you have one dose of estrogen and progesterone, which are the two medications in there, versus um, one dose for one week, another dose for a second week, another dose for a third week, and then the fourth week is that placebo week. For the most part, there isn't really necessarily a reason slash difference to choose the multiphasic one compared to the single dose one. So typically speaking, um, most patients will be on the single phase one. Um, the next thing to think about, because um, that's just more comfortable for patient ease, um, Anecdotally, you might have some people feeling like the triphasic ones, the multiphasic ones are more effective for certain reasons, but I think the evidence doesn't necessarily point to one more than the other. Um, and then the other two things to think about are the estrogen and the progesterone. So those are the two components. So estrogen is the estradiol, and that comes in multiple doses. The absolute lowest dose is 10 micrograms. For the most part, you're going to find them in the 20 to 35 microgram range. Um, and that's generally what's recommended. It's actually recommended to avoid anything above 35 micrograms for the purposes of daily contraception. Um, and so most of the time, the general rule of thumb that people use is that they will choose a lowest dose estrogen as possible to meet the needs of the patient. Uh, the next part is the progesterone, and there are multiple types of progesterone, and I have to say that I am not an expert in all the different kinds. However, the main thing to think about is that some of them have more of an androgen effect than others, meaning um, somebody with acne um, might want birth control pills, oral contraceptives to be able to manage their acne better. There is some suggestion that the more androgenic ones can worsen acne, but there is also evidence that it isn't necessarily that meaningful. And it's just the fact that they're on contraceptives that can help control the acne. So that's really up to your discretion, which really brings me to my kind of wrap up point is that this is really based on a number of things, but I think that a lot of the newer nurse practitioners that I work with, and myself included, as I was making this transition, I felt like when I graduated from school, there was one right answer. And sometimes there is, but sometimes there are multiple right ways to do things, and it really comes down to your philosophy of practice. For me, I am very, very, very patient-centered because I have just, it's, it's my personal philosophy of practice, but it's also is the most effective because it's patients' lives and their bodies, which is another topic for another day. I have some strong feelings, clearly, but um, I'm very patient-centered, and I'm also evidence-based, but also very laid back because, um, again, it's it's kind of a, um, it's less exact. Uh, the practice of medicine is less exact than you kind of learn in school uh, in a way because, um, so yeah, so basically what I do for patients is I have a low dose, lowest dose possible, start them on a medication and then um, reassess. And I always inform them of that is that some people will have some reactions. Some people have um, do really well. Some people need some titration. And then I just do a follow-up based on how they're tolerating it. Do they have any side effects like big breakthrough bleeding, breast tenderness, things like that. And then we just kind of reassess and see. So that's really up to your personal practice. So if you feel like you want to learn about each of the types of progesterones and each of the little kind of like nuances of each of them, then absolutely go for that. I I encourage you, and that sounds amazing. Um, that is not my personal practice, um, but when it becomes necessary and depending on the side effects, I definitely go down those avenues. But definitely check out the resources down below this video and let me know if you have any questions. Um, did you like this video? If so, hit like and subscribe and share with your NP friends so together we can reach as many new nurse practitioners as possible to help make their first years a little bit easier. And definitely head over to realworldnp.com guide if you haven't already.
you can get the ultimate resource guide for the new NP. Um, and you'll also get these videos sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and exclusive content that I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so, so much for watching. Hang in there and I'll see you soon. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and tell all your NP friends so together we can help as many nurse practitioners as possible give the best care to their patients. If you haven't gotten your copy of the ultimate resource guide for the new NP, head over to realworldnp.com guide. You'll get these episodes sent straight to your inbox every week with notes from me, patient stories, and extra bonuses I really just don't share anywhere else. Thank you so much again for listening. Take care and talk soon.